Hello, everybody, and welcome back to That Park Life Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Greg, joined, as always... By Beth, and boo to you, Greg. Boo to all of us, because we got some great boo news that we'll, we'll talk about in our little news nug segment. Mm-hmm. We've got some fun topics today. Yeah. Um, we've got some Ask Beth and, Ask Beth and Greg. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that's always so hard to say. <laughs> um, you know, newsflash, I'm going to get to do some Disney things coming up. Yeah. And I'm excited about that. I Doug and I have a quick trip coming up. And originally in my head, it's like, wow, I don't know if I could take off work. But the way that work's been going, I'm like, forget work. I'm taking off. I don't care. You guys can figure it out yourselves. Good. That's what I like to hear. Yes. I like abandoning responsibilities and going to the park. Pretty much. I need to be in my happy place for a couple days. Yes. And um, I cannot wait. Yes. And that's next month, June. Yes. So it's already um, May. Let's talk about some Run Disney stuff. Because did you get registered? Okay, Beth. I'm so glad you mentioned this. This was now... Two weeks ago, when registration opened for mm-hmm. Marathon Weekend of uh, Run Disney, right? January of yeah. 2023. The January one, um, okay. It was a big deal because the website crashed during the registration oh, process. Gosh. So your boy uh, joined the or joined the virtual queue or at least logged onto the site at like 945 with the queue to open at 10. And okay. uh, I was in the virtual queue. I, um, whatever, whatever, site crashed. It was around one o'clock when... I got placed back into the virtual queue and it said, you know, I have about an hour left, whatever. And then at like one, I don't know, 30 or 140 or something. By the way, I'm working this day, I would like to point out. Um, So I have like the window open on a separate screen. Registration form opened up. I got all my information in, pressed uh, register for half marathon, which by the way, I, you know, that's that would be my longest distance. Yeah. And um, hit pay, pay now, charge my credit card. And then it said it was full. And then they, oh, and then I got gosh. the immediate reversal on my credit card. So I was so oh. close um, so to getting in. It's a part-time job to get registered for Run it Disney. It is. Like, what so, in the world? So I have a couple of thoughts, if I may, because I am okay. at this point in my life where maybe more than anything, gratitude tends to rise above. I don't know how I got to this point. It's way too mature of a thought process for me. Because that sunshine will do it to you. That's maybe what it is because you know that I'm also giggling over fart sounds all the time, right? So I don't know how these things <laughs> balance each other out. Um, and I know that we can't always control what happens to us, but we can mm-hmm. control how we react. I feel like that's kind of cliche. But for some reason, it's just been like a big part of my life recently. And the day of the registration, of the registration I was super bummed, angry. And then I realized, had this moment of clarity for many their only opportunity to run around different parts of Walt Disney World is through these Run Disney events, whether it's the full marathon, 5K, 10K, whatever. And meanwhile, every just about every week, I missed one because I'm in Disneyland, um, but I'm just going to say every week since January, I've been doing a 5K, a 10K at different resorts, right? Like I know it's not in the parks, but I feel like I've had a lot of free Run Disney events I've been able to do or I've created my own Run Disney events in my head. And this past Friday... Don't know how small miracle occurred. I was able to complete a half marathon around Barefoot Bay. That's the body of water between Caribbean Mm -hmm. Beach and Riviera. And it was a big freaking deal. Yeah, I did see you post and was like, get it, Greg. Yeah, I don't know how the hell that happened. (laughs) I thought you, one, I thought you were about to tell me. So I've decided that I'm just going to do my own half marathon through the parks one day randomly, (laughs) (laughs) which I think would be hilarious. Yes. Uh, for you just to take it upon yourself and like dress up and do a fake number and just pretend like you're doing your own marathon. Yeah, through the put park. a bib on. Yeah. 
<laughs> put a bib on it'd be amazing um, um also that's our wrap on life lessons from Greg. well that's the thing though <laughs> is that like first of all i finished this run and mm-hmm. um i was actually overcome with emotion from this accomplishment because i don't know i'm not an athlete i like to remind everyone mm-hmm. not an athlete um mm-hmm. and i got a little choked up because like i i don't know about you but like in high school and stuff when we had those presidential physical fitness mm-hmm. freaking mm-hmm. things i did not even run i walked the mile i actually yeah. got like taken off of the track because i was exceeding the maximum pace for a mile <laughs> Um, I, d- I just didn't like it. I just, that was like, it was never my thing. And I, I don't even know that it is my thing now, although I can't really go back on it because I just ran it. I voluntarily ran a half marathon, but. You're like, look at me now, slam to your, uh, your gym teacher. Yeah, right? I don't know what, I mean, meanwhile, my gym teachers were actually pretty, I have to be honest, were pretty I feel like nice. I always walked those even though I played sports in high school. I think I was just so tired of running every other day of my life that I was like, you know what? I'm just going to walk this one. I don't care anymore. Yeah. I don't know. I hate running more than if you ask me what's something you actually hate. It's running. I hate running. I just can't. I can't do it anymore. I, I don't know. And I, by the way, like I'm not. I would never push anyone to do it. I I think that you have to be into it to do it. Right. Like yeah, don't bother sure. if you can't. I think like most people, you know, once you hit the, you get the runner's high and yeah. you feel, you just feel the benefits from it. That's what gets you into it. I'm just not willing to get to that point. <laughs> <laughs> um, I literally was waiting all week for the run. Like every night, I was like, okay, it's one one day closer to getting to the run. That's sick. Aww. That's I don't know. That's yeah. bizarre. Yeah. That's not like me. Anyway, what something a, in your body. Your endorphins are just really going. It was really cool. But um, what I'm what I'm getting at here is just if you can make the most of what's going on and try not to sweat the stuff that's out of your control. And registration was out of my control, mm-hmm. and instead I just sweat my way around. Um, Caribbean Beach and Riviera Resort. The other day, do they hat. ever do um, like a wait list so if people drop out? Unfortunately, no. There is no wait list. Really, the only option back in is to just refresh the page. I do about once a day. Don't want to obsess about it, but how else will I see it if it's changed? Um, right now, it says sold out on the website, so we just refresh and maybe one day it'll say register and get back in. That's really the only way. When's the next race weekend? Uh, Wine and Dine in November. So I'm doing the 10K of Epcot there, and I'm sure someone listening to this will be there because I feel like that's a pretty popular event. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. There's your little run Disney update. Oh, one more thing I wanted to update everyone on um, that I didn't get to last week before we jump into our why do they call it that and answering some questions from y'all is my stay from – what resulted from my stay at Bay Lake Tower. Remember Nicole and I went there for anniversary and there was a mix up with the room and yeah. they offered us a free two night stay or a complimentary mm-hmm. two night stay at any of the Disney vacation club resorts other than the grand. I learned there were some rules, nothing in California, oh. not the grand Floridian, not Riviera, which by the way, I kind of understand because womp, womp. hard to get into. Yeah. Fine. Um, so, uh, we were able to book our next stay. So I called maybe a week or two ago and booked our next year's anniversary at the 11 month mark. And we were able, so just to catch everyone up, we got a Lakeview room. They had to downgrade us because of whatever reason to a standard room. And to make up for that, they wanted to do another stay. Same number of nights for any view that was available. So over at Bay Lake Tower, they have three views, standard view, lake view, and theme park view. And as you might imagine, one of those is better than the other two, right? Right. And that's standard view. No. And that's theme park view. So <laughs> that's what we were really hoping for. And um, I, I called and um, they were like, oh, we have three views available. Which would you like? I was like, you know, let's just do theme park view. Meanwhile, like, that's like the one that yeah. I really want. Right. Trying, trying to, to like, play it off. Play it cool. Even though they really, they don't care. It's a. They, oh, I don't really know. I don't know. What's that? So um, 
So we have our, it's still a studio size room, mm -hmm. but it's a theme park view, which means you open up the curtains for the room and you see, okay, you see a little bit of parking lot. But beyond that Magic is Kingdom. Magic Kingdom, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we're looking forward to that. So anniversary, our eighth anniversary in March of 2023, we're going back to Bay Lake Tower, already booked, ready to go. It's really nice. cool. Like it's just booked. It's in there. It's already linked. Like everything's done. Yep. You just got to show up. Yeah, we just got to show that they, up. It's not like eight o'clock before you can get yeah, into your room. Ridiculous. You know? All right. I think it's time for another installment. Um, this is now our third time mm -hmm. doing. Why do they call it that? No, there it is. <laughs> That's right. We've got a new bumper yes. for for our segment, everybody. And I think it's important for you to just give a little information about that. Who who is on that little piece yeah, of audio? Yeah, so it's uh, my husband and I. We did it yesterday. Uh, put it together, and there's about eight voice tracks so it's mo mostly Doug but he made sure I was more at the forefront of it yeah um all his you know well obviously we already had the jingle yeah <laughs> he thought it was funny that I keep singing that because he's like you know it's the he says he loves you. something <laughs> tells her he loves her why didn't I think of that and that's why that always thinks <laughs> anyways just always reminds me of that and so when I texted it to Greg he was like I always hear you singing it and then I was like we need to just create something yes. so we put it together really quickly and now we have it yes so you're welcome world you're welcome yes so why do they call it that round three so there are plenty of things that are named a certain way around the parks resorts Disney Springs mm -hmm. or whatever and as you might imagine they often have a story behind them and sometimes the story we find is not Disney official I have at least one where right. I don't necessarily know yeah sometimes they're long stories yes um, I, one of the ones I'm going to do now, I was like, I really got into the, it was a roller coaster of emotions. I'll tell you <laughs> okay. just wait till we get there. Okay. Do you want to start then? Um, um, I mean, that's going to be the last one I share, so okay. it doesn't matter. I can start though. Okay. This one's a little bit like shorter, but, uh, we're going to start in magic kingdom at Buana Bob. Oh, so this is a gift shop. It's right on the left. As you enter an adventure land, you probably walk by it a million times and you haven't thought mm -hmm. anything of it. Um, uh, but when you're going into adventure land from the hub area, it's like there on the left. Um, and it said that it's your first look at like jungle lifestyle. So they sell like sunglasses and hats and exotic jewelry, things like that. You kind of always see them sitting out there. Mm -hmm. uh, but Buana, which is B-W-A-N-A, Buana. I'm sure that's how you say it, right? Buana. Buana. Yeah, Buana. 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 It reminds me how <laughs> Doug and I love Medea's Boo to you. And one of the characters she's talking to, the other character's name is Brian. And she says, Buan. <laughs> she calls him Buan. <laughs> Anyways, Buana means master or friend. This is not a slave term by any means. It's more of um, like a. Sometimes an expert, something like that, you know, or just like a, a general like person who knows things and yes, or like it's, just. It's like saying sir almost yeah. to somebody. Yeah. So it's a like term of endearment, sort mm -hmm. like a respectful. That's what I was thinking of. It's a respectful term. So Buana means master. And there's a movie um, that came out in 1963 titled Call Me Buana. And it starred Bob Hope. And as we all know, Bob Hope and Disney had a very good relationship. He, We've played clips before where he hosted the opening day celebration on TV. So the little shop there is officially named after him. And in the movie, Call Me Buana, Bob played a character who was an expert on all things Africa. So it kind of like ties in with this, the theming of Adventureland. Mm -hmm. And um, just as a little side note, it was actually originally a ticket kiosk. So mm -hmm. you, could, you could go there and get... Um, the A through E tickets, you know, when you had to get the paper tickets when they first opened, but it switched over to a store like with merchandise and things in 1985, which was just a great year. Don't you agree? Uh, yes. One of the best. Because um, <laughs> without it, so the world wouldn't have us. So. That's right. 
uh, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast today. Anyways, uh, so that's where we got Buana Bob. Buana Bob. The next time you go there and, and buy your know. sunglasses or whatever, just think of Bob Hope. Mm-hmm. That's right. If no one else. Um, I'll keep us in Magic Kingdom. And by the way, can I tell you, this all started in my mind because I, I was trying to research why Reedy Creek is called Reedy Creek Improvement District. Yeah. And I kind of just gave up on it. Um, because I kept finding news articles about things that weren't what I'm looking mm, for. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, we should probably do a what they call it that episode. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that kind of sparked all of this in my mind again. Uh, but anyway, so um, I actually overheard this particular nugget of information while listening to a non-Disney podcast. I don't listen okay. to a lot of podcasts. I really only Maybe, listen yeah. to technically two. Uh, well, really one and then a rebroadcast of a radio show, but two. And they mentioned this, and these are people who are not Disney people. And I thought, like, oh, I'm going to dig a little deeper into this because this is fascinating to me because, you know, Dis nerd. So one of the ferries that transports guests from the Ticket and Transportation Center to Magic Kingdom is named the General Joe Potter. So there are three boats. That's the one of them. So who is Joe Potter, and why do I want to thank him so much? Joe Potter was born in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, which is not important to the story. It's just that Oshkosh is fun to say. Oshkosh, bagosh. Yes. He graduated from West Point Military Academy and MIT. So in other words, smart dude. He's smart. He's smart. He served as the governor of the Panama Canal Zone for five years. During that time, he oversaw a community of over 400,000 people, maintained services like uh, their education service, their education system, the military, public health, medical care, fire and police, the postal system, and then he retired because, like, that's a lifetime achievement, basically. During his, quote, retirement, though, he became the executive vice president of the 1964-1965 New York World's Fair, where he met, as you might imagine, Mr. Mr. Walt Walt Disney. Disney. Yes, and this led to Walt hiring Joe as the vice president of the Florida Planning Project. So as Walt was getting together his stuff for um, for what would be Disney World, he put Joe Potter on the team. Joe oversaw the construction of Walt Disney World's infrastructure, including but not limited to underground utilities. We've all heard of those at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sewage systems, power, water treatment plants, drainage canals, all of which were considered revolutionary at the time. He then went on to serve as the president of the Board of Supervisors on the Reedy Creek Improvement District, now in the okay. news quite a bit. Um, but here's what I think is most interesting about Joe Potter's contribution to Walt Disney World. Again, this is my opinion of what's most interesting. But part of his time in the Panama Canal was spent combating the spread of malaria by mosquitoes. He developed an extensive knowledge of pest control during this time. And it was one of the main reasons why Walt wanted him in Florida, mm-hmm. since Florida mm-hmm. is basically an insect circus. Right? They're mm-hmm. everywhere. One thing uh, Joe Potter brought to the table was the concept of attacking the larvae of mosquitoes Mm -hmm. rather than the mosquitoes themselves. So cut off where they would breed versus trying to kill them after the fact. And the best way to do that was to keep their breeding grounds difficult. And if you don't know, like a big breeding ground for mosquitoes is stagnant water. Water. So Joe um, implemented what became referred to as Joe's Ditches around Walt Disney property, still existing today in one way or another, that kept waterways moving. So okay. removed the idea of stagnant water, kept a lot of the waterways around Disney moving so that the larvae wouldn't stay there. They would just kind of right. like die, basically, right? They wouldn't yeah. have an opportunity to grow into mosquitoes. So although we don't always necessarily notice it, a lot of the bodies of water, man-made or real, are kept moving. moving 
so that mosquitoes can't breed there. And it's one of the many reasons, other than more traditional pesticide-related things, mm-hmm. one of the main reasons why there isn't a lot of mosquitoes around the parks. So that's General Joe Potter. So every time you're, you've parked your car in the parking lot and you're setting sail to Magic Kingdom, just think, oh, there are no mosquitoes because the, the yeah, you're like, person Thank you, Joe Potter. named after. Yes. What a guy. What a guy. What a legacy. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm still in Magic Kingdom. I got another one here, and this is Schweitzer Falls. So obviously, in the Jungle Cruise, we all know the famous backside of water. <laughs> um, nuts happens over Schweitzer Falls as you go underneath it, and leading up to that part, the skipper typically will tell you that it's named after the famous doctor, Doctor Albert Falls, which is a haha moment. <laughs> Um, but there was an actual <laughs> real Albert Schweitzer and there was a time that the skippers referred to him in the ride instead of Albert Falls, which I feel like I still, sometimes I'll get that reference. You'll hear them talk about, uh, Schweitzer Falls, but it's typically just to make the joke about Albert Falls. Right. Albert Falls. Okay. Uh, uh, but the real Dr. Albert Schweitzer, he was a German French theologist, musician, and humanitarian. I looked this guy up. He did a, he did like everything. Yeah. Another one of those, like, he pretty much just did all the things Makes he could. us like, all feel like crap. Very <laughs> artistic, <laughs> yes. like, just a, in a, a beautiful mind, if you will. Um, and the, the skipper would describe him as someone who has done so much for the people of Africa because he was best known for giving uh, benefit concerts and lectures all throughout Europe and doing a ton of fundraising for his hospital back in Africa. So he's known for his philosophy about a reverence of life. And he thought no person must ever harm or destroy life unless absolutely necessary. Eventually, the skipper relied more on comedy during their tours, uh, which eventually led to making the joke about Schweitzer Falls being named after famous Dr. Albert Falls. And yeah, and I was able to find he was a Nobel Peace Prize winner. And there was a couple of other like major awards that he had won in life. And, you know, that's a big deal. Yeah. Albert Schweitzer. I'll keep us in Magic Kingdom with a nice quick one of the Liberty Bell which is obviously the big the big steam boat there on the rivers of America. Before mm-hmm. being ne- renamed the Liberty Bell in 1996, it was originally called the Richard F. Irvine. Irvine was a former vice president and director of design for uh, WED Enterprises and was instrumental in the designs of both parks, Disneyland's Magic Kingdom and Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom. But why was it renamed to the Liberty Bell? Any guesses? No. Literally just to better tie it into Liberty Square. They took away his name. <laughs> they slapped Nothing Liberty special. Bell on it. Boom, now it's part of Liberty Square because that's where the loading mm-hmm. station is for it. So that's that. Wow. The Liberty Bell. <laughs> We're going to Hollywood Studios, cool. and that is for Sid Coenga's. Sid Coenga's one of a kind. This is a shop right into the left when you go into Hollywood Studios. Mm-hmm. It's over to the left. You've Another one of those things you probably just walked right by. Okay, so there are a lot of stories around Sid Coenga's, and I'm going to kind of go through some stuff that um, I had found that sort of kind of goes with this. Um, And then I'm also going to quote from this book that we have um, that's kind of more like Disney related. And then, you know, we can we can kind of all decide what we want to believe about this, I guess, (laughs) (laughs) because it all sort of makes sense. But uh, the storyline is that. Sid Coenga and his wife, Rosie, moved to Chicago, that they were big movie fans. They moved from Chicago to Hollywood in the 1920s to be close to the fledgling movie industry. The couple bought vacant land at the edge of town and built a small home in a style that was popular and fashionable at the time. Hollywood then started to boom, and within a few years, their house was surrounded by new movie studios, stores, restaurants, and offices. And despite finding themselves uh, living on a busy commercial street, they decided they didn't want to move still, that they liked their home and its location. And they even turned down numerous offers from the real estate developers who had other ideas for the property. 
Um, so with a steady stream of shoppers and tourists walking by, they saw the opportunity to like sell things. So then being movie fans, he had um, quite a, like started basically getting a collection of movie memorabilia hmm. for from friends that he had in the industry. There are there were rumors that he would get them from like Pete. He had guys on the inside stealing them. He had friends like there's many different ways that he would get all of this stuff. Um, and so when he wasn't selling movie treasures to tourists and collectors, he would drive his truck all over town to replenish his inventory. That was like another another story that they had in there. He would buy he would buy places because, um, you know, after movie sets were done, it was rumored that they would sell a lot of these things, um, you know, cheap to other people. So he would collect them and they would be m- movie memorabilia. So when Hollywood names stopped in at the store, uh, it was rumored that he would let them pay with autographs instead of money. And then he would basically like frame those autograph pieces and then sell them at higher prices. So that was how he would make extra money. Hmm. According to the story, his business flourished for decades. And in that time, he and Rosie never moved from their little bungalow. So when Disney MGM Studios Park opened in 1989, the new park included three carefully, uh, you know, Hollywood icons. And it was said that there was like a tribute to this, to SIDS. And that's why they put it in Hollywood Studios. Like they said, like, it wouldn't be complete without a SIDS. And as we, like, read more into these story, they're like, it's a great story, but it's, like, has nothing to do with what this is actually is. So I was like, okay, now I'm on this journey. Like, so what are we going <laughs> to talk about now? So it said that um, Sid Coenga and his store never existed in real Hollywood. But there was this idea about people that lived there and then basically Hollywood, like, building up around them. So there was kind of this idea of, like, hey, this used to be a house. And then it was, like, turned into a shop. Um, the name Sid, though, is actually closely identified with Hollywood because of showman Sid Grauman, I think is how you say his name. Yes. Uh, he's best known for the Chinese theater, mm-hmm. which obviously we know is down Hollywood Boulevard. So um, he built and he operated many other movies. You know, he was the he was the whole guy behind the Chinese theater. And in 1948, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences actually gave Sid Grauman an award, like labeling him a master showman who raised the standards of exhibition of motion pictures. And so after the name Kohanga, um, the name Kohanga is associated with Hollywood because of Kohanga Boulevard, Kohanga Boulevard, which is the major cross street of Hollywood Boulevard. Mm. There's Kohanga Pass, um, which is a route of the Hollywood freeway from Hollywood to the San Fernando Valley. And then there's Campo de Kohanga, Kohanga, sorry, Kohanga. I think I keep saying it wrong. It's just a hard word for me. I'm sorry, everybody. Um, which is a historic site near Universal City. So according to the Street Stories, um, which was like a public radio station, they said um, Koanga comes from like the original word comes from um, an Indian village, which was Ka- which was Kobuanga was with a B. That's what the Ninja, Ninja was, Turtles said, right? I know, right. Which was Kobanga, located where uni- wherever Universal City is today. So somehow, like, the B was turned into an H. So this was, like, one of the stories that we got. And then for the backstory of the house, the Imagineers looked uh, to real cases of Hollywood area residents being turned into businesses, which we talked about. Hmm. There are five framed autographed photos in Sid Coenga's that are not for sale. Three of them feature actors best known for television series in the 1960s. Another one is a photo of Cher. Hmm. Hello. Um, and they're all made out to Sid. Like they're all like, you know, um, autographed to Sid. Gotcha. Sid Grauman died in 1950, which was long before any of these photos were taken. So the fifth is an autographed photo of Sid Coenga himself. So let's talk about Sid Coenga. Does this mean that he's a real person? Basically, they're like, kind of. It says if some visitors to Walt Disney World are adamant that Sid Coenga was a real person, they're right. 
So for 16 years from when the park opened in 1989 until he passed away from cancer in 2005, there was a guy named Danny Dillon and he was, uh, he was the one and only Sid Coenga. This quote says, I knew Danny. He was my dad's favorite Disney streetmosphere performer. Danny did absolutely amazing impersonations of George Burns, Stan Laurel, and Bing Crosby, among others. Coming from an entertainment background in Los Angeles, um, I had seen many professional impersonators over the years, and none of them were, were better than Danny. So Danny was a street performer at Disney. His wife, Pam Brody, was the singer for many years at the Rose and Crown Pub at the United Cape Pavilion in Epcot. Mm. And Danny and his wife started working for the Disney company in the 70s often as performers at conventions as well as the resort hotels. So inside the, the Sid Coenga shop is an autographed photo of Danny in his Sid Coenga costume with his huge friendly smile that welcomed so many guests to the park for a decade and a half. So he like rotated uh, streetmosphere, um, being a streetmosphere performer like over different parks and stuff. Um, but he was the only one that ever like played Sid. So he was a talent performer and a very nice guy. Yada, yada, yada. So there's like that story there. And then it says like when Disney uh, Studios first opened, Danny and his Sid persona was on the cover of USA Today in full color. Of course, like any character performer at Disney, he wasn't allowed to reveal his true name and identity. So Sid got all the publicity. Just like the shop itself, Danny was a true one of a kind. He made Sid Coenga come to life and his stories, his interactions and guests and his classic um, with guests and his classic impersonations. So. They're basically like, hey, he was like a street performer that played this persona. And that story, uh, the picture that's hanging in there that's like of him from 1922 to 2005, like that's actually the this guy, Danny. Hmm. So that is a story we get from this article from Yesterland um, from the book. Can you tell say us what the book it Tell us what the book is again, Greg. The Hidden Magic of Walt Disney World, Over 600 Secrets of the Magic Kingdom, Epcot, Hollywood Studios, and Elma Kingdom by Susan Vaness. Okay, so this one says that Coenga is actually after the Treaty of Coenga, which ended the Mexican-American War in California. The name is derived from the village of Macoenga, located near a pass carved between Los Angeles and the San Fernando Valley. And Coenga were the final holdouts. Uh, Coengas were the final holdouts who would not sell their homes when Hollywood was becoming commercialized. Says this is the only place in Walt Disney World where you can buy an authentic photograph of Walt Disney. Sid occasionally carries a signed version, which retails in the range of $3,000. So it kind of like all ties together because I guess this is why those streets are actually named Coanga is really because of this. And it all makes sense because they were the people that didn't want to move. And fun fact, uh, when you mentioned that the name of the Coanga was derived from the village of Makawanga, which we all know that famous dance. Hey, Makawanga. Hey, Makawanga. <laughs> I made that up. <laughs> I feel like I have to say that I'm joking in oh case gosh. people didn't think that I knew that I'm not that dumb, I promise. Yes. Um, also, I'm sorry that was a little jumbled. I had to do that on the fly because all of my notes got deleted. Yeah, so good times. times. Um, but yeah, so it kind of all ties together. I was sort of like reading this through and I'm like, I'm just really going on a journey here because I was like, this is a really cool story. And then it was like, oh, it's a fake story. Yeah. Oops. But here's what it's really after. Like, I get the idea behind it. So. I'm going to stay in Magic Kingdom. I know you brought us over to Hollywood Studios, but yeah. this one kind of has like a heavy ending, so I'm, I'm apologizing okay. ahead of time for that. Oh, but womp womp. this one popped in my head because I saw a TikTok of a certain guest who I'm going to call Clown of the Week um, doing something they're not supposed to do in mm. the queue of Haunted Mansion. Okay. So um, you may have heard of the mansion there being called the Gracie Mansion or Gracie mm -hmm. Manor or other Gracie-related things either here or in other parks. 
um, you know, worldwide. Technically, depending on what time of the timeline of the attraction, it's not really the Gracie Mansion. Disney hasn't really officially referred to it as the Gracie Mansion. However, it's become one of those things where it's been known so long as the Gracie Mansion that I think they've come around to like kind of referring to it that way. But anyway, yeah. there was a time when there was a sign outside the attraction that actually labeled it the Gracie Mansion. It's been since removed. But something that's still around is the burial plot for Master Gracie, mm -hmm. which can be seen in the queue for the attraction. And the word master refers to how back in the time you would refer to someone as a master if they were too young to be called a mister. So like Mr. and Mrs. were like, let's just say mom and dad. And then the kids were yeah. master or whatever the girl was called. Actually, I don't even know. But maybe just miss. Maybe it mm -hmm. might have just been miss. Anyway, you get my point. Mrs. Yeah. Miss. Yeah, miss. Probably miss. So Master Gracie was referring to a, a child, not necessarily the master of the house. But either way, um, Master Gracie's grave site is still there. It's this like kind of raised up with bricks that's got like a little lawn on it, right? And it's got the railing around and the big headstone that talks about Master Gracie. Yeah, it doesn't um, like Master Gracie laid to rest something, exactly. something, and it rhymes, whatever. Um, this was named after an actual Disney Imagineer by the name Yale Gracie. Yes. Yale Gracie was an Imagineer, writer, a layout artist. He worked on some animated projects you might know, like Pinocchio, Fantasia, The Three Caballeros. Mm -hmm. He worked on some attractions over in Disneyland, Pirates of the Caribbean, um, and their haunted mansion. He has two really big contributions to attractions that were not unique to Disneyland. They've been used elsewhere. Um, one of which was the fire effect in the burning city scene of Pirates mm, of the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. That is also similar to our version of it as well. Um, he contributed to the 1964 and 65 World's Fair attractions, including Carousel of Progress, where he developed a pixie dust projector that blocked out everything on stage during the scene changes via the illusion of glimmering pixie dust. And that's mm. actually something that still kind of exists. I, it's changed and evolved over time. But if you've ridden our Space Mountain and they're able to project like the stars on the on the mm -hmm. um, structure of the ride, but you still can't tell that it's the structure of the ride, if that makes any sense. Yeah. That's yeah. something that started from this guy's thought by this guy. I mean, Yale Gracie. So technology that's still pretty much in place. And maybe most notably, um, his contribution was how he worked on the Hatbox Ghost character from Disneyland's Haunted Mansion. Mm -hmm. And the Hatbox Ghost remains my favorite character to play with in Disney Emoji Blitz, in case you're wondering. <laughs> um, in 1983, 73-year-old Yale Gracie and his wife Beverly were in a cabana in California when someone broke in at 2.30 in the morning and shot Gracie. Killed him right there while he was sleeping. His wife was only wounded, luckily, although what a loss to mm. to suffer there. The motivation behind the murder was unknown and is still unknown. The shooter fled on the beach and was never caught. And there are no suspects. Wow. So this really celebrated Imagineer um, is celebrated still mm -hmm. to this day with that headstone, that little burial plot right there at a, at the attraction queue for... Haunted Mansion. So when that guest that you may have seen on TikTok decided to climb in to the grave site and kind of put her arms on her chest as if she were in a grave and take a photo with that, you might mm -hmm. think, well, gosh, how disrespectful that is. Also, like, it's clearly not a guest space, yeah. even if you don't know he tragically 
um, was shot. Like, it's obviously not a place for us to hang out. And so, so please don't do that. It's not that. Also, it's really meant to pay homage to someone who tragically passed away after contributing right. so much to so many attractions and movies for Disney. Okay. On a lighter note. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to take us over to Animal Kingdom and talk about some drinks. We're going to talk about the Dawa Bar. Uh, we found many different interpretations of Dawa. Yeah. But because this Dawa bar is in Africa, um, we're going to lean more towards that one. Because I did find there's um, a, a lot of Tibetan yes. ties to that. There's like a whole festival around it. And I was like, oh, this is probably it. And then I went back and was like, oh, it's in Africa. So it probably means this. Um, but Disney describes Dawa bar as a bamboo bar in the heart of Harambe in South Africa. So the word Dawa in East Africa means a medicine, particularly one used by doctors or like essentially a witch doctor. So a witch doctor would use medicine could be uh, like one way to describe alcohol, essentially. So one that makes sense for it. And then in Swahila, Swahila, Swahili, Dawa is known as a word that generally improves or protects the condition of another thing. So an example would be like shoe polish would be the Dawa of the shoe. So in Kenya, Dawa refers to a cocktail made with vodka, honey and lime juice. Uh, Lime is used in a food and a few of the drinks here at Dawa Bar. So we're probably leaning more towards that because it's Mm -hmm. an actual drink. Um, But the person who named the drink Dawa worked at a restaurant in Nairobi, Kenya called the carnivore. And he joked that it treats your stomach so that you have an appetite for the meat. So considering it's a bar next to Tusker House and Tusker is a word for a large animal with tusk. Maybe the bar outside gets you ready for the meaty meal of Tusker House. Dawa. Dawa. Dawa Dawa Bar. Get your drink on and then get your eat eat meat on get you, yes whatever the official is. tagline of the one-two punch of dawa bar and tusker <laughs> um i have one small one left okay. over in magic kingdom and it's certainly on a much lighter note than my previous one so we're going to talk about big al and i big feel al. like big al from country bear jamboree needs no other introduction other than this <laughs> Which, as we all know, went on to inspire the motion picture Turning Red. I have no idea if that was a link to that or not. But anyway, um, so we know Big Al. We know his song. But why is he called Big Big Al? Al. And this is a pretty simple one. There was a show writer by the name of Albertino. He was the head of the writers for the Country Bear Jamboree in Magic Kingdom. That's it. Just Guy who worked on the on the show yeah. wrote some stuff. His name was Al, and boom, you got yourself a big Al at the Country Bear Jamboree. Can we talk about like where did the blood come from? Do we, does anybody know where the blood comes from? You know what? It's all part of the imagination. You just you have to I mean, part of this experience is for you to fill in the <laughs> voids yourself. It's kind of disturbing if you really think about it. Yes. Anyway, moving on. All right, should we should we wrap it up? That was yeah, it. That, that's it for. Why do they call it that? It's so strange because. That's like I know that that's you, but it's so like produced yeah. that it's like oh I know that voice like it's so I don't know how else yeah. to describe that it's like it's a little <laughs> strange but in a great way. He said he loves her, tells her he needs her. Why didn't I think of that? All right, <laughs> moving on. Um, anyway, um, let's tackle two questions for okay. a Ask Beth and Greg. 
So again, if you want to submit your own question, you can do it through our website, thatparkwithpodcast.com, or just reply mm-hmm. to the story on our Instagram account. And I believe uh, one of these came through uh, Instagram, one came through the email. So we got one okay. of each here. So Lauren wants to know, where would you recommend going to lunch in the Magic Kingdom Resort area? This is because she booked some um, golf appointments. That's you can tell by golf. They got themselves a golf appointment or at one of those, mm-hmm. uh, you know, places with all the green. Tea time. Tea, there tea we time. go. Some tea times. They got a tea time. Um, and they want to do some lunch after. So what would you say? Um, I said the Polynesian at Captain Jack's. Oh, that's actually great because you don't need a um, reservation. Yeah, I was thinking more like quick, kind of quick service, hop in. You don't have to have a reservation, so you don't have to worry about when you're finishing. Yeah. Um, like any of your other, you know, time things that you have. And they have a couple of meals that are really good. Obviously, the coconut meatballs, which you Ooh. featured many a times. Yes. And um, the nachos, the like pulled pork nachos are mm. absolutely incredible. Mm-mm-mm. And they're like good portions, so you get a yes. lot of food. Ooh, I got to pick up a shift at the Polynesian soon to get myself some Thai coconut meatballs. Yeah, you do. Because, um, I was thinking table service, so I'm glad you okay. mentioned a quick service. We got a little balance here. So mm-hmm. um, I know she mentioned she missed an opportunity for like a late Ohana breakfast, which is which is fine. I will say that like brunch and lunch, you have some great options in that in that area. I mean, yeah. I I enjoy the brunch or the lunch at the Grand Floridian Cafe. I knew you were gonna pick that one. Yeah. that's why I was like, well, Greg's gonna pick that one. So well, I know. Well, to be honest, all three resorts to me have great lunches. The yeah. over at the Contemporary, you have Steakhouse Seventy One, and I can't mm-hmm. personally tell you it's great, but everyone I talk to says the burger at the it's Steakhouse really Seventy One is good, including the Mouselets who last week said they liked it, and the vegetarian or vegan option was okay, but that's mm-hmm. probably like the most you can yeah. ask for. Um, but anyway, I would recommend that. And I've had the breakfast there too, which was also good. And then over at the Polynesian, if you don't want to do quick service at Captain Jack's, the Kona Cafe, I think mm-hmm. also offers great late lunch or late That's breakfast. So and, and That was lunch literally as well. the other one I was thinking of. Yeah. So you're actually in a great area over there, Lauren, mm-hmm. for some great either late breakfast or lunch options. So you picked and a good let spot. Us, let us know what you go with. Yeah. Okay. The next one comes from, you said it came from the website? Yes. From Amber, and she wanted to know if you could bring back any attraction or show, what would it be and why? Oh, what would you choose? No, you go first. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> I had to think long and hard about this because I didn't want my answer to be happily ever after because okay. I understand that things have to change, and I'm starting to go to this point where I kind of like enchantment. No, okay, don't say that. Hear me don't out. Say that. We're cutting Hear me out. out. <laughs> um, I have been including it in my playlist for when I'm doing my running, so like mm-hmm. I have now bonded with it, so to speak. It has nothing to do with the park. It's just because you've been deprived, Greg. I guess so. And then last night I saw Enchantment. I was standing in between like the castle and Beast Castle, like that nice like fantasy land area where you can like kind of get a 360 view of fireworks. Mm-hmm. And it was nice. And I found myself like kind of singing along a little bit to some of the songs. So I think I'm finally turning on Enchantment. Can, but anyway. Here, let me let me like preface. You can yes. like it, just not more than Happily Ever After. I'm not, I'm not going <laughs> to say I like it more, right? Like I will always have this place in my heart for wishes and a separate yeah. place in my heart for this is is this how people feel with kids where you, you can't Probably. really you like you love them all differently really say it out loud but i don't know right but anyway so um i don't want my answer to be happily ever after um so i decided on something else in magic kingdom i would really like the skyway to come back oh um, yeah i think that's a really great yeah. opportunity to get different views of the yes. parks and yes. you know safety concerns aside or whatever or not being able to necessarily maintain all the tops of building like mm-hmm. we're talking blue sky here i would love right. to have that back as an option not as an efficient mode of transportation but maybe but i think it's a really cool way to see stuff around the parks it would be really cool to be on it during the fireworks yes. show yeah 
So there you go. <clears throat> so I chose an attraction. Can you guess what attraction I'd bring back? Um, I, I can guess it for two reasons. One, because it's your thing, and two, because I read your notes. <laughs> but was that one that you would have guessed I would have anyway? absolutely guessed this because okay. it still exists. If you want to see it, you just got to right. get out there. Uh, it's Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. No. And I love it because it's classic and it's scary and it's very not PC. Like you, you'd yes. be like, what what the hell? Literally. Liter- yeah. Um, and I just think that would be fun because it would totally ruffle people's feathers. But I don't know. Just another like classic nostalgic one that I would love to bring back, especially for my husband because that was his favorite as well. That's his thing. It's just so different. There's nothing else really. I don't know. It's very different. And for very better weird. or like, worse, just, there's nothing like it. Yeah. yeah. It's one of those you know like wow these don't really exist anymore um yeah. i mean obviously the one in disneyland's still there but that's the one i would bring back i'm i'm with you i mean don't get me wrong i wish i could not have to fly to disneyland to do it but it does kind of keep it special that, because yeah. it's harder to get to like now when i do it it's not often enough so it right it's still like the novelty doesn't wear off for, for mr sure. toad's wild ride garsh indeed so you probably didn't miss the announcement that Mickey's mm-hmm. Not So Scary Halloween Party uh, is back because everybody shared it to their story that day on Instagram, and we were among mm-hmm. that. Um, I think I think it's really exciting for lots of reasons, but I think for me the main thing, and I feel that this is probably common with um, a lot, is that this is a pre-COVID thing that's coming back, and it's yes. the same as it was pre-COVID, if not right. with a few enhancements. Pricing aside, I don't really recall off the top of my head what it was before, but um, I think it was more expensive last year. Like that's why when no, I was not last the, year because that was the after hours event. But well, like, that's what I'm saying. But the, yeah. even the after hours event that was like Mickey's not so scary light, if you will. Yes, it was more money, so people were like, "I'm basically getting less, and I'm paying more money for it." And now it seems like they're going back, and the price yes. is not that terrible. But well, let's let's talk about this. I could this have is sworn the cheapest was one twenty nine, but anyway, this is this is a a larger than that issue because yes, mm-hmm. the after hours events were was priced higher, but the crowd level was significantly less. So okay. you may remember the the not so scary Halloween parties can still be kind of crowded. You can yes. still be jammed in with people in the middle of the hub, whereas the after hours events were not because mm-hmm. the price was so high. They're able to let fewer people in that's a whole general larger concept of disney is well if we charge more we can let fewer guests in but if we charge less the more and then what's the what's the trade-off but anyway so the mickey's not so scary halloween party that will be larger so definitely will be more guests at these events than at the after hours last year the boobash um it's back starting august 12th it's the party you know and love it's got the full parade full boo to you parade with the headless horseman in front you know weather permitting it's got the the normal fireworks show, the stage show with the Stan, the Sanderson sisters. We getting we're getting our ride overlays back, which is mm-hmm. awesome. So um, they just said that it's at Pirates of the Caribbean, but I assume we're gonna get Gunpowder Pete back and the live actors yeah. in the attraction, which was I thought was a really cool touch in the previous. I think that was 2019's Not So Scary. Yeah. Um, we'll they did the also Space have Mountain yeah overlay. we'll have an overlay at Space where previously it was the all dark experience which I thought was really cool again like a really great way to experience Space Mountain and some lights and music around teacups and a Halloween version of Monsters Inc. Lap Floor um, mm-hmm. two, two things that are new this year one's kind of small they're including a 50th anniversary version of the trick or treat bag uh, you know that you get to oh. use when you're going around from treat mm-hmm. stop to treat stop and then uh, this year, they've also announced, quote, event exclusive step in photo opportunities. So they didn't elaborate on that. But I don't know. The way that that sounds makes it like you might be in scenes of certain Halloween 
environments, okay. right? Like, okay. I'm kind of curious about that. Um, tickets range from one hundred nine dollars to one ninety nine. One ninety nine, I'm sure, is going to be on Halloween, Halloween night or weekends or whatever they do. Yeah, I'm typically like the whatever the high price is, just the one night and a telling. Yeah. But I'm sure it's going to be like one seventy nine on week weekends right. leading up to Halloween or something like that. Again, don't quote me; I'm just guessing. Um, yeah. They did also announce discounts for annual pass holders and DVC members, but they didn't announce what that discount would be. In the past, it's not really significant. It's like usually like ten dollars or something like that. Yeah. But just a small little something, something. Um, early registration for guests with confirmed resort reservations is May 12th. Otherwise, general purchasing is May 18th. So we're basically two weeks away from when you mm-hmm. can start buying your tickets to the 37 nights of Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party starting in August. And that's it. That is. That was it. the big announcement. All right, we move on to go back in time for some Disney history. As always, brought to you in partnership with the Mouselets. If you missed it, last week they chatted with us all about their trip. You can follow them on Instagram and TikTok and their website, themouselets.com. All right, what you got? I'm going all the way back to 1977. We're going back, way back. Uh, this is this week in Disney history. 1977 was when they dedicated. They had a dedication ceremony in Florida to the Empress Lily, mm. which was a historic replica of a three-decked Mississippi boat complete with paddle wheel. Uh, it was christened by Walt Disney's widow, Lillian, for whom it was named after. Uh, the new landmark at the time, which contained three restaurants, the Fisherman's Deck, Steerman's Quarters, and the Empress Room, was unveiled at Lake Buena Vista's Shopping Village. The Empress Room and Steerman's Quarters served dinner, only while Fisherman's Deck featured a character breakfast, one of the few character breakfasts available at the time on Walt Disney uh, World property. Mm-hmm. The Empress Lily closed on April 22nd of 1995 and then reopened as Fulton's Crab House in March 1996. We really did her wrong, didn't we? They're like, you know what? We're going to close this and turn it into a crab house. Um, and they also took away the paddle wheel. So the Empress Lily was turned into Fulton's Crab House. And they took the paddle wheel away. And they took that paddle wheel away. <laughs> what you got? All right. I'm going to take us to 1997. So this week, 25 years ago, piano Bob Jackson debuted his one-man cabaret show at Riverside's River Roost Lounge Mm. at Port Orleans Riverside Resort. And in those 25 years, I have only seen him once. (laughs) But he is back. He is something that I was able to return after COVID. So um, if you're staying there or near there, or if you're on the Sasagula River, Feel free to take the boat over at some Sassagula. point. Sassagula. Sassagula and check him out. Because, I mean, I've seen a bunch of videos. And I, the one time <laughs> I did see him in person doing his performance, he's a, he's a lot. And in the, in the yeah. best possible way. You're <laughs> going to get a great a great time. Yeah. It's a great show. It's a lot of energy. At, at, at Riverside, yes. All right. Before we get to our quote and our wrap-up, uh, if you want to check out World Traveler Trading Co., you should on Etsy.com. She's got a lot of Disney-themed and macrame key fobs, dog collars, mouse head key rings, mouse keys, um, all kinds of things. We've got, what else do you said? Like dog leashes, I feel like. Uh, ear holders. Yes. Anything you can think of. So check her out, World Traveler Trading Co. on Etsy. And if you would like to save a little bit of money, you can use our promo code, which is... That Park Life. <laughs> that Park Life. All right. Before Greg gets to his lovely quote of the episode here, if you like what you heard today, feel free to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also leave us a review on iTunes so others can locate us easier as their premier Disney podcast. You can uh, follow uh, along with us on Instagram or the TikToks at That Park Life Podcast. And if you'd like to leave us a question, you can do so on our Instagram highlight, Ask Greg and Beth, or you can head over to our website, thatparklifepodcast.com. 
To follow our personal Instagram accounts, I am at the real Beth McDonald. And I am at the Disney Greg. And if you want to submit a request for an episode, share a magical cast member moment, or some Disney magic with loved ones who can't get to the parks, you can head over to our website, thatparklifepodcast.com, and submit a magic gram. It's free for everyone, because we love sharing the magic. Over to you, Greg. I got a deep quote from your boy, Mickey Mouse. Oh, okay. Who once said, arithmetic is being able to count up to 20 without taking off your shoes. And with that... We leave you with that little pearl of wisdom from Mr. Mickey Mouse. Uh, We'll see you all next week. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, see you next week. 